The following podcast contains explicit language. At the end of the day, what do you think the white boy Rick story is about? Well, I think it's about a young kid that uh, was led astray uh, by his father. We didn't know it was cancer. You know, we just knew he was sick. I don't think Rick could have handled seeing what my father looked like when he died because he would have walked past him in a store and not known that that was our dad. It was, you know, it disfigured him horribly, horribly. And I actually asked Rick when my dad was dying, do you want me to put, you know, I know I can get him in a car. This is before it got really bad and bring him up there. And he said, no, but I understand he wanted to remember him the way he was, you know. Oh yeah, he was he was in severe pain. I would call sometimes, and you know I would have to get off the phone because I couldn't stand to hear him moaning. Richard Wershey Sr. died on October second, two thousand and fourteen. Pretty much the last conversation, you know, I had with him was he told me he was going to miss me, and I said I'm going to miss you too, and that was. You know, that's what I'll take to my grave. You know, that, that the last conversation he had was, man, I'm going to miss you. What do you miss the most? Oh, man, uh, his voice. From WDIV and Grand Media, this is Shattered, the White Boy Rick story. Chapter 8. Just call me Rick. By now you know the story of Rick Wershey, the longest serving nonviolent juvenile offender in Michigan history. We have extensively chronicled his long fight to get out of prison. Oh, we sure have. Well now, Hollywood is taking a crack at it. Matthew McConaughey has signed on to play a major role in the movie. Tonight, the man known as White Boy Rick talks to Kevin Dietz from behind bars, hoping Hollywood helps set him free. That story aired back in 2016. When I talked to Rick about the idea of Matthew McConaughey playing his dad in the movie version of his life, he was elated. I couldn't be happier with who they found to play my father. And yeah, my name is Matthew McConaughey. I play Rick Worshey Sr. in the film White Boy Rick. Matthew McConaughey was pitched the script, and he liked it. I spoke with him about signing on to play Richard Worshey Sr. in the movie. It always starts with the script. I was based on a true story um, that gave me a sense of more legitimacy when I, when I read it. I always love it if I can read a, a true story. McConaughey actually flew to Detroit and drove four hours north to meet with Rick Wershey face-to-face behind prison walls. I immediately knew from sitting down with Rick, the Rick I met in jail, that after five hours with him, I was like, you know what? I would trust that guy if he was, came by my house and I needed him to watch over the kids because I had to go in town. You know what I mean? He was, uh, um, he had that about him. I saw that. Uh, were you honestly starstruck for the first few minutes at least? Uh, I, I mean, he didn't come across like that, so I can't say I was starstruck. You know, I, I like everything he's ever done, and it was just a good, it was a good meeting, you know? I think he got to know me in, in that short time. I think he got to know a lot about me and the person I am and the person that I want to become after I'm out of here and the things that I want to do. It was right around the time the movie was announced that the push for Rick's release really started gaining some momentum. 
in February of 2016, Gil Hill died at age 84. Rick believes Hill was a major force in keeping him locked up. A few months later. Tonight, Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy, one of the most outspoken people who worked to keep him behind bars, now says it may be time to rethink her position. Kim Worthy took over from Mike Duggan as the Wayne County Prosecutor in 2004. For years, she remained steadfast in her opinion that Rick should not be let out of prison. Some say her close friendship with Gil Hill was the reason. I sat down with Kim Worthy to ask her about that. The suggestion is somehow that maybe there was some secret pact that you wouldn't let Worshi out of jail until after Gil Hill passed away. Now, Gil Hill was a friend of mine, and he was someone that I admired greatly based on when he was the head of homicide and because how he, he conducted himself when he was on city council, and I supported him in his run for mayor and those kinds of things. We used to see each other occasionally when I would come over to Fishbone where he would be regularly um, having breakfast and sometimes see him when I was meeting someone else. And that was really the extent of our relationship. We didn't hang out, but we were friends and he was someone that I respected greatly. And I thought he was an honorable man. Um, but we never talked about cases. We certainly never talked about Rick Warshi at all. I didn't even know what his involvement was. I really don't even know what you're talking about when you say based on his relationship with Rick Warshi. I don't even know what that's all about. So why did Kim Worthy change her mind about Rick's imprisonment? Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy saying tonight, quote, having been deeply immersed in the juvenile life without parole murder cases for the last six months, I have noted parallels to the Richard Wershe case that have caused me to review the Wayne County Prosecutor's position on his case. Ultimately, it's the Michigan Parole Board that makes the final decision on who gets paroled. But the prosecutor's opinion is always heavily weighed. In April of 2017, Rick got notification he would get a new parole hearing. You know, the hearing's, the hearing's coming up here Thursday. How, how are you feeling uh, now that it's, that it's here? Uh, a lot of sleepless nights. I mean, I, I guess at best I would say I'm cautiously optimistic. It's, it's a big day. I mean, 30 years in a cage and I have a chance to get my life back and it's nerve-wracking, to say the least. The parole board did not vote on the spot. Instead, choosing to release its decision a little more than a month later on July 14th, four days before Rick's 48th birthday. I feel like Ian Jackie's over there by herself. We have to get her over here. Oh, I don't care. I do. I invited Rick's family to come to the TV station for the official announcement. His mom, sister, and a handful of relatives, all on pins and needles. We all waited and waited. Okay, hang on. I don't know. I heard someone yelling. Hang on. Hold on. Hold on. And then, in a short one-paragraph memo, the Michigan Department of Corrections faxed out its decision. It says freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? Oh, my God. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> oh my God! Thank you, Mommy's coming home. He's coming home. Oh my God! Oh my God! <laughs> Oh, my God.
Logan, good to see your son, Mom. Then my phone rang. It was Rick, calling from prison. Oh, man, Kev, I don't know, man. I feel so good, man. I feel overwhelmed with joy, man. I mean, it's like, I swear to God, man, I feel like 10 years younger. It's weird, like, so much weight's been lifted off of me. Who, who told you? What? Uh, how did it go down? Uh, the administrative assistant came and called me in the office, and he basically told me, listen, it's over. You're done. Michigan paroled you. And what'd you do? I cried, man. I cried. <laughs> having children now myself and having raised them and having grandchildren. Here's Rick's sister, Dawn Scott. I don't know if he'll ever know what he's really missed. I know what he's missed. But not being there and not being a father, not being a grandfather, and not seeing your grandchild's first steps, your child's first steps, you know, their first youth. I know when he comes home, he will be like my father, the the hands-on, you know, want to be with my family, 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 family. What, what does it feel like now? I mean, you've been going through this for so long. When when they tell you, look, your life sentence is over. There's no words. I mean, I'm at a loss for words, to be honest with you. It, it's, it, I'm just overwhelmed, Kevin. I, I don't know. I don't have any words, man. Then, I put his favorite niece, Gabby, on the phone. Hi. <laughs> it's Gabby. Hey, Gab. <laughs> Hi. What's up, Tom? I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't even know what, what to say. We, fin- we, finally, we finally made it. Yeah, I love you, Gab. I love you, too. I can't wait to see you. It's over, hon. That's all. I know. I know. Oh, oh my goodness. I appreciate you. I love you. I'll be there to see your daughter grow up. I know. I know. Oh, I can't. I can't wait. I love you, and I I couldn't be more happy and excited to finally have you home with us. I love you too, Gab, and I can't wait to see you, and I can't wait to hold the baby and give her a big kiss. Yeah, we love you, okay? Yeah, tell everybody I said hi, and I love them. Tell Nana I said I love her, and tell everyone that, you know, I'm, I'm coming home. Rick was free from his life sentence in Michigan, but not entirely free just yet. He had to wait and see what the state of Florida wanted to do about his conviction and five-year sentence in that car theft ring. His attorney, Ralph Maselli. Under normal circumstances, they would be sentencing him to five years to run concurrent to any other sentence that he would have. So it would have been running at the same time as the sentence for life with parole. They sentenced him to five years to be run consecutive to his Michigan sentence. So after all that, in 2017, Rick was moved from his Michigan prison to Florida, 
where he would serve time for his role in the stolen car ring he was involved in back in 2006. It was a huge blow for his family and friends who were so hopeful he was finally coming home. I just want to see him, like I said, and spend time with him before I die. Here's Rick's mom, Darlene. I just spend time in a room alone, looking at a picture and saying prayers for him. For Rick, at least there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no more life sentence. He has an out date, January 4th, 2021. I never thought I would be here when, when my dad died. And now my mom's not well off. And, you know, a lot of ways I'm blessed. I'm not dead. I don't want to be bitter. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want, if, if I become bitter and let this take over my life, then they won. And, you know, I look forward to, to talking on the phone and I look forward to my visits and I look forward to the day that I walk out of here and, and never look back and, and do good things with the rest of my life. Life in Florida is very different for Rick. Because this Florida offense is a nonviolent property crime, He's in general population in a minimum security prison. Instead of being locked up for 23 hours a day, he has much more freedom and time outside. He treasures eating lunch at the picnic table, watching the birds, the simple things. He's hopeful of being considered for early release from the Florida Clemency Board and remains optimistic. He says having an actual outdate keeps him focused on freedom. He knows now that someday it will come and until then, he daydreams of life on the outside. The little things, man. Getting out of prison and sitting on a couch in a house and watching a movie. Little things. Walking along the water, doing things with my grandkids that I didn't get to do with my kids. Rick's been thinking about the first meal he wants to have on the outside. The wife of his childhood pal Jimmy Locklear is going to cook it. I can't wait. I, can't, I told her I want like a Thanksgiving dinner. Remember before he was sent to prison, before he sold drugs, before he became an informant, Rick was young and in love with a girl in his eighth grade class. He met her in the suburb of Fraser in that one year he lived with his mom. She was my first girlfriend and her mom and dad treated me so good. Like, it was like everything I wanted, but I never had. Her name is Michelle McDonald. Rick wants her face to be the first one he sees when he finally gets out. There was nothing not to love about him. He was a soft little marshmallow, just one, he was just, a, he, he was a kid desperate for what we all had. Rick only lasted in Fraser for about a year. Oh, I loved it out there, I didn't want to leave. But he and his stepdad did not get along. He used to hit my mom and me and him had some problems and uh, I was up north deer hunting and he threw all my stuff out of the house. And so Rick had to move back to Detroit. It broke my heart to, to leave the suburbs. And he always says that it was probably the worst decision uh, that he ever made leaving there. Less than a year later, he became an FBI informant. And even when I left, I was 15 years old and I would drive all the way to her house with no license or anything just to see her. So he, you never knew he was uh, informant for the police? Not until everybody else knew. After Rick went to prison, 
he and Michelle fell out of touch. Basically at that point, um, I went away to college and then of course, you know, life moves on out here. Even though they weren't talking, Rick would always send Michelle a birthday card. Never forgot, never forgot one birthday. I still get a birthday card every year for all 30 years. I'll be the first one to admit that he obviously had more time on his hands. I wasn't really good with um, writing back until I discovered what JPay was, and I would say that was probably the way that we reconnected. JPay is a paid email service that lets prisoners write back and forth with people on the outside. And so we started, emailing was really the beginning, and then the first phone call. What was that like? Um, emotional, moving, and endless, you know? Endless, like we couldn't ask each other enough questions, and it was a connection and a bond, and really, I think that we've come to the place to know that we were both somewhat broken and went these different paths, and here we are, but that we were each missing a piece to our puzzle, and we found it. The time I spend on the phone, to be honest, the time I spend on the phone with her is what really gets me through the day. The more I talk to her, the better my day is. She'll tell you that. I get on her nerves sometimes. Probably more than <laughs> probably more than she'll tell you, but you know, she that that gets me through the day down here, you know. Now people call me White Chick Rick, so I'm WCR. So now we got the joke going, right? I'll be whatever you people want, just get him free. You want me to be WCR? I really don't give a hoot. Recently, Michelle went to visit Rick in prison for the first time since they were kids. What was it like when she came to see you in prison? Give me a minute. It was uh, it was hard. It was, you know, we laughed, we cried. As soon as we saw each other, it didn't feel like 28 years. There was like instant connection. You could just feel it in the love. It's almost like if you had, if something was broken, as soon as you hugged them, it was healed. And we knew it. It was good to see her. It was good to hug her. It was good to look into her eyes and talk to her. I guess his dad used to ask about me all the time. You know, have you talked to Michelle? Is she okay? You know, you know, throughout all these years. I didn't know that. And, um, you know, he truly thanks his dad daily. And he really thinks that this is his final gift to him for all that, you know, he did. He really thinks that his dad brought us back together. It's good to know that someone really, really loves you and, and they're there for no other reason than that. I loved her since we were 12 years old. I still love her. You know, it, it's just she's who I want to spend the rest of my life with and I hope I get to. When you think about the future, what, what do you see for him? What do you see for you? What do you see for both of you? Um, you know, for me, this is all about him. He's the one that's done 30 years. For me, I want nothing but happiness, health, and there is no doubt in my mind, he is an entrepreneur. He 100% will succeed legally, 
um, whether it be speeches or writing his own book about everybody that he has seen in his 30 years, what he experienced in his 30 years, and uh, I think he's going to be nothing but successful. He reads the USA Today every day, and he's like, look this up, look up Nike, look up this, look up this is coming, then we got to get in on it. I'm like, I can't keep up. You know, he's amazing. He really is amazing, smart, and still has the hustle. He will not fail. I asked Rick's lawyer, Ralph Maselli, how he thinks Rick will do on the outside. Well, he's an intelligent man. He's 50 years old. When Rick gets out, there will be rules associated with his parole. No drugs, no guns, no hanging around felons. He has a good support group. He'll have to stay gainfully employed and check in with a parole officer. He has people that are willing to give him a job when he gets out. I've had several contact me and tell, if he gets out, let us know. We'll teach him a trade. We'll give him a job. But I think he'll be okay. A lot of people have asked me this. Once Rick gets out, is he safe? He snitched on a lot of people. Will they be out for revenge? Will they try and go after the person they think is responsible for them being locked up so long? Rick doesn't seem worried. He says criminals know that snitching is part of the game. And those who've been locked up for a long time aren't likely to commit a violent crime that will send them right back, probably for life. Today, Rick is in a far better place emotionally than when I first met him and began to share his story. He tells me the cocky teenage drug dealer, white boy Rick, is dead. Died off decades ago, behind prison walls. Today, he will tell you, he is simply a middle-aged man looking forward to making the best of the rest of his life. And if by chance you come across him, you can just call him Rick. I'm not white boy Rick. I'm Rick. I'm not, I'm not the person I was made out to be. I did some bad things, but it was a life that I was pushed into. And the second half of my life, I'm going to do some good with it. And the people that have fought so hard for me, I'm not going to let them down. I want to go sit on the porch with Ralph and his wife and Michelle and me and little things. You know, I, I want to do little things, man. That, that everything that you guys take for granted are the things that mean so much to me.
Thank you so much for listening. When there are updates in Rick's case, we'll be the first ones to let you know about them. So watch this feed for that. Also, Jeremy Allen is hard at work on season three of Shattered. Today's episode was produced by Zach Rosen and me. It was edited and mixed by Zach Rosen. Tad Davis is our assistant producer. WDIV's executive producer of special projects is Ro Coppola. WDIV's news director is Kim Vowett. My name is Kevin Dietz. Jerry Lemonu created original illustrations for each episode of this season. See them at whiteboyrick.show. If you like the podcast, consider writing a review for us in the Apple Podcast Store. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shattered Podcast. Don't forget Season 1 of Shattered, all about the missing Skelton Boys. It's available in this very feed. Thank you for listening. <laughs>